Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst, Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod, and we're here joined again with our friend, Dom Lees. Dominic is the at Bracket Dom from Bracketometry.com. Uh, I have just gotten back from the Big Ten tournament. I was racing along the lakeshore, getting back from Chicago. Uh, I can say a couple of things. It was some actually a great game. My family were planning to leave that game early, the Purdue-Penn State game, and then Penn State made it really interesting at the end. And so we had to stick around in a game that, I mean, boy, had Andrew Funk just hit one of those threes. I was kind of surprising. He was just ice cold today and couldn't bury in the things that he'd been hitting early in the tournament. Uh, and then I got stuck for 45 minutes at two separate uh, toll um uh, toll collection things. It was a nightmare. I mean, they were like broken. You have to use credit card. It. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't. <laughs> Welcome hey, to driving it. in Chicago. That's all that matters. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, and I can tell you that um, for all all those of you who are listening from Chicago, you can close your ears for just a moment. But uh, I love the city, except I just what a nightmare. Uh, the traffic, the the Saturday uh, rush hour on Saturday afternoon for some inexplicable reason. Uh, I. Very happy to leave leave town and um, return it because I just blessed right through Grand Rapids. Uh, it took me like five minutes to drive through town, and you know it's like about fifty minutes just to get three miles in Chicago. So anyway, I'm back. <laughs> Thanks so much, Tom, for joining us. Although I'm sure you have bad traffic down in Austin as well. I was, I was literally about to say that. Yeah, I, I know exactly the feeling. Austin is the same way. And before that, I lived in Houston. I've always been in places with traffic. <laughs> isn't isn't this is it this week that's South by Southwest? Yes. In Austin? Yeah. I, yeah I, so I especially especially this week. Well, this is the right week to stay inside and do nothing but watch college basketball and not even leave. <laughs> right. And you were telling me, I think, earlier that this is your spring break, right? So you've got like the whole week. You're not, oh, yeah. you're not even allowed yeah, to work it, if you want to. You have to watch basketball. <laughs> I, it kind of makes me mad. I wish it wasn't my spring break and I could use personal days for this. <laughs> now I need to find somewhere to use those. This would have been the perfect time. <laughs> well, uh, you, so you're number two bracketologist in the country. And I guess the first question is we had the bracket reveal today, obviously. How did you do as far as your bracket comparing? I mean, it, we're I had my we're trying to do it in the car. So it's kind of like hard. To, like, what Dom say? And then we're trying to figure out what they're saying on TV. So. How did you think you did uh, with the field? I think I did quite well. Um, I mean, obviously, number two, there's going to be a lot of people trying to come for that. But I, I still think I'm going to be right up there at the top of the rankings once everything compiles. Uh, there wasn't a single team that I missed by more than one seed line, except for the one team that I missed completely. And that was pretty much the team everyone missed completely right. in Rutgers. Um, yeah. I wasn't surprised that if someone I had out um, 
was out that Nevada was the team that was in. I thought they were very deserving as well. Uh, I really thought there were like 69 deserving teams and, and someone was going to be out. I just thought it would be Nevada and nope, it was Rutgers instead. But I didn't even have them in my last four in. So I, I knew they weren't completely safe, but still caught me a little bit off guard. <laughs> um, speaking of Rutgers, I, when I when I saw that, obviously, it started thinking about it. I thought back to what we talked about in your first appearance with us specifically with regard to the net. And if I remember correctly, um, the context that you put the committee's usage of net into was the following. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, that the net is primarily a sorting mechanism to determine quality. What are quality wins like a quad one, quad two, et cetera. But beyond that, you shouldn't really take a net ranking particularly seriously. Is Spot that a fair? On. Yeah, okay. that is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 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 boy, was this Rutgers thing, apps and last year, absolute <laughs> proof of that. Because last year, to refresh people's memory, Rutgers was somewhere in the seventies in yep. the net. I think in the net era, which isn't that long, it's only replaced RPI. I don't know what it is now, five, six years, maybe. Not that long. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I believe they are the lowest rated net team to get into the tournament field. I think that's right. No, if they're yeah, not, absolutely. they're right there. So they're in the seventies last year and they get in this year. I believe they were 40 mm -hmm. and they don't get in. <laughs> so yeah, I think, that, that, I think that pretty much proves your case that you can't take that number particularly seriously in terms of it meaning much for an individual team's strength, let's say, right? Yeah, absolutely. The only difference them being in the 40s uh, did was make the teams who beat them look better because their net was right. high, but it didn't make them look any better. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's a sorting tool. And part of the reason I'm not surprised that Rutgers is out is because if you use the net to sort their wins and losses, you go down to, to quadrant three uh, and they were two and four in Q3. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's four bad losses and really just not enough good wins to make back up. Yeah. The reason I partially thought they might still be in is because a lot of those Q3 losses were just borderline Q3, like Seton Hall, right. early Q3, Nebraska, Temple, all of them were pretty close. Um, so I kind of thought the committee might take that into consideration. It was like, ah, well, yeah, there's these Q3 losses, but they have a bunch of Q1 wins, and those are almost Q2 where they wouldn't hurt them nearly as much. But I think that kind of proves it a little bit that they really the gap from literally – uh, 76 where it would be a Q3 to 75 would be a Q2. It might actually really make a difference. I mean, when you're sorting that many teams, sometimes it's hard to give teams those considerations of, oh, well, it was this close to this uh, quadrant or this close to this quadrant. What's really going to stand out to you is just those records in each quadrant and two and four in Q3. Yeah, that, that's, that's going to hurt you if you don't really nitpick it and see how close some of those were. Yeah. And, you know, one of the one of the interesting things I thought and I can't it wasn't Chris Reynolds, um, the uh, committee chairman, um, but it was I can't remember the name of the guy. Somehow 
this information got out there today, and I don't know whether you saw that they were asked about Rutgers in particular. And the sense I got is that the committee took into account what Rutgers did after Mawap Mag, who had been their starting power forward, and he got hurt yeah. with a season-ending injury maybe, maybe three weeks or so ago, um, somewhere around mm-hmm. there. And the line was, well, they don't have a significant win after that happened. So I get it. What they were saying, in essence, with that is we have to evaluate what Rutgers is now. And what they are now is not perhaps not as strong as even their overall season long case would would have us believe that that's how I interpreted it, at least. Uh, I'm not sure how it makes sense otherwise to even mention that. (laughs) Um, But I, I find that rationale a little strange because it seems to me either we're taking that stuff into consideration or we're not. And so you look at some of these scenarios where, you know, Houston's got a starter out, UCLA has got a starter out. Um, Kansas has a starter out. Kansas's coach was out. Uh, he may be back for the, these first two games, but on and on and on. And yet I don't see those teams punished. And it's a different scenario saying, what seed are you assigning to someone versus whether a team is in or out of the field? I, I understand that, but did, did that surprise you? Assuming that I've, that I've got that right, that that actually came from the committee. Um, did that surprise you that that was a rationale that was used? Cause it surprised me a little bit that they were that explicit. It, it didn't surprise me completely, but it did somewhat. And I'll explain why it, it surprised me because they absolutely take injuries into consideration. That is something that they factor in. If a team lost someone and they're playing worse without them, um, historically teams will be punished maybe by a seed line or so, for example, Tennessee, I think Tennessee right. was, uh, was a three seed based on their resume, right? But losing their starting point guard. I knocked them down yep. to a four in my bracket projection. And that's, and, and that's they what got they did. Four. Yeah. But the reason I'm still surprised is just because historically, usually that's all oh, those injury considerations are only used kind of in the same way as the predictive metrics kind of to adjust seating but not right. necessarily for selection. So that part is a little point. bit off guard because, yeah, absolutely uh, a team that's playing worse without one of their better players, uh, say you were going to have them at an eight seed, maybe you have them now at a nine or even a 10 because of that just to kind of make the seeding more balanced. But historically, that usually doesn't actually cost a team a bid. It just costs a team some seeding. So I, I right. was a little surprised to see that actually make the difference between maybe them being in and them being out. Um, again, it, it's not something that the committee doesn't factor in. It's just usually not at the cut line as much where right. I, I think in this case it was. Yeah. I, and that's exactly how I saw it. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you, uh, hear you say that because it, uh, it jibes with my own view of this. It just seemed a, a very strange usage of that uh, as an inclusion or exclusion sort of factor. Um, but obviously, it sounds like despite that, you're not outraged by the idea of Nevada getting that spot rather than Rutgers. It sounded like you felt that was pretty damn close to a coin flip in terms of the overall cases between the two teams, right? 
For sure. I mean, I I think Rutgers had the better resume. I guess really the reason I'm not outraged is just because of who they put in. Had it been anyone else, I, I might had they put in Oklahoma State, who actually was right. ahead of Rutgers. They were the first team out. Rutgers was the second team out, which kind of surprised right. me. Um, yeah, had they put in Oklahoma State, I might have been a little bit more angry about that. Um, but again, even though I think Nevada had a worse resume than Rutgers, I think Nevada had a tournament-worthy resume, so... And they had to knock out someone if they were going to get in. And I'm not mad about them getting in at all. I, I, I think Nevada did deserve it. I just didn't think the committee would agree. So I'm actually not even too mad about missing that one. <laughs> do, do you suspect, last thing about Rutgers, do you suspect that if Rutgers had beaten Purdue in the Big Ten tournament quarterfinal, that it would have been a difference maker for them? I have to imagine so, um, especially because based on this bracket this year, uh, it does seem like they took the conference tournaments a little bit more into uh, into consideration than previous years. Uh, Maybe still not completely, uh, but definitely had a bit more of an impact. For example, one of the ones I missed that I'm still kicking myself on, uh, Marquette getting a two seed over Baylor. And that that's clearly based on their Big East tournament run, because going into the conference tournaments, they did not have the better resume. After the conference tournaments, I, I thought Marquette had a better resume, uh, but I kept them at a three because oh, they don't factor in the conference tournaments. But uh, that and a few others definitely showed that they factored them in a bit more this year. I think they heard some of the criticism last year of, hey, how are you ignoring all of these games? Right. So. Based on that and how big of a win that would be, especially since that would have made them 2-0 and versus Purdue, yeah, I think they would have been in for sure. Let me, on that point, then I, I promise I'll, I'll turn it over to Eric. <laughs> um, on, on that point, uh, I remember us talking about the conference tournaments and you made an interesting point, which was if you're playing on those things, it's not a bad idea or it's not bad for your school, your team, if you're playing early Mm -hmm. on Friday, early on Saturday, especially, because that might be the last chance you really have to make an impression before they start locking it in. And I thought that that stuck with me as well. In looking at today, obviously, Purdue winning, there was no impact. They were one, they were going to be a one. We know that uh, Penn State is a 10, right? That yeah. seemed about where they were going to land regardless of the outcome. I, I would assume you don't think they would have jumped to a nine had they won it. I'll just put it this way in, re- in response to that, and then I'll let you finish. I think if they won, they would have had a nine seed worthy resume, but I don't think they would have right. changed the bracket completely for a game that was finishing 10 minutes before the bracket <laughs> was coming out. So. In a way, I think the, the fairness uh, fairness won through with them losing that game because they would have been underseated if they won it because I still think they would have been a 10. Um, yeah, and I do too. Uh, but the other game that was played at the same time also supports that idea because everything I was seeing is that most people had Memphis, I believe, as an eight heading into the American championship. Memphis goes out and beats Houston, obviously playing without Marcus Sasser. But one, you you still have Memphis on the eight line. So, I you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see that they got any benefit from winning that game. And then two, Houston actually finished as the number two overall seed 
in this thing, despite losing. Whereas Purdue won their game, I guess Kansas did, but Purdue would be the other team maybe that would be able to make a case for why weren't we bumped up a line or a spot, not a line. Um, but I think that would, would you agree the American also further buttresses the point that, hey, when you're playing in the late game on Sunday afternoon, it just doesn't matter what happens unless you have one of these really rare instances where the two teams playing each other are so close that it becomes an if-then kind of scenario. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, it, those late Sunday games it, yeah, mean nothing. They're not going to – I mean, like if it's maybe for a, a, a bid thief, then, of course, it's still going to matter because right, right. you're going to have to adjust yeah. the bracket of that. Or, like you said, for two teams that are virtually tied for a two or three seed, but otherwise yeah. it's not going to make a difference at all. Now, I will admit I had Memphis at a nine, but I don't think that win is what got them up to an eight. I was torn – 50-50 between them and Iowa for the last eight, nine spots. Um, and that debate ended up not meaning anything. They both got eights anyway. So right. <laughs> it was FAU right. that I was gone. They were the one down at a nine. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 if they were an eight uh, when the bracket came out, I think they still would have been an eight even if they had lost. It wasn't the result of that game that made them higher than I had them by any means. Yeah, and you just you just have to wonder, I mean, if there's a point, the American, I have no idea what, what they'll do. I mean, they're losing Houston, and you know, who knows what happens with that yeah. league going forward. But if you're the Big Ten, and, and there's been talk about this for years, but I, I really do wonder if at some point the Big Ten looks at this, and especially if you're correct in saying that this year you detect the conference tournament results at least to a point, having more impact than maybe they have in the past. If that were to continue, then I, I got to believe there's an argument for the Big Ten looking at this and saying, hey, guys, we need to adjust our schedule. Absolutely. At the very least, put it to a, a Sunday morning game. I mean, because even that, uh, them having Princeton at a 15, for example, like I thought Princeton might be a 14 just because hey, Yale might have been a 14 and we can just swap them into the same exact spot. But the fact that they even had them lower in that morning game shows that, wow, they were even factoring in some of these Sunday morning results and shifting things because of that. So they definitely put back their timetable, but they just, there's no feasible way, even with all the criticism they got last year, to push it back to the Sunday afternoon games. Those just have to have impact. So I would move it back to Saturday or Sunday morning at the at the latest. And it, and it becomes, you know, this becomes a problem because you have so many interested parties. You have the networks right. involved and they want to have games going on all day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a year and I can't, I don't know if you remember Eric, which year it was when the big 10 moved the tournament to the week previous. That was when it was in, in order in, to play in New York because as Madison square gardens, they had, to, they had to use a different week because the big East has it usually that so they had it the week before. Right. Yeah. Which year was that? Was that was that nineteen? I don't think we should say one at that. You year. remember? No, I think it was before that. It okay, was like seventeen maybe it was, or eighteen. I'm maybe not sure. it was eighteen. Maybe yeah. it was eighteen. Yeah. But I, you know, I was outraged by that because it was. That's the that thing. Was worse. You can't win with these things. If you do it, then then you got your teams all sitting on ice for almost two weeks. Yeah. Um, which is not ideal. Uh, so I guess there's no perfect scenario, but in any event, I'll turn the floor to you, Eric. I've talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, and I think, you know, the, 
obviously what the whole Sunday afternoon game comes down to is it's money and it's exposure, right? And you know, you have to weigh how important is that bid for you? Are you losing bids as, as a league? And probably the answer is you're not. You're, you might be losing a seed line somewhere here or there, right? That's probably all that's up, up for grabs. Uh, so then, you know, is that worth the massive exposure you get? Because everyone's tuning in before the bracket show. They're tuning in to at least the end of the game. There's a, there's a lot of, um, uh, I don't know what the term is, but it, it's, it's worth a lot of clout, I suppose, to be the league that's being shown right before the, the selection show. And so that's definitely going to go forward going forward as now that CBS has a deal with um, the Big Ten uh, so I th- can't imagine that's going to change anytime soon because of that exposure. I, I had one other th- question about the Rutgers thing because it, it was Chris Reynolds who was talking about it about when he was listening on the radio. He was talking about the fact that that injury affected things. And one of the things he said was the fact that Rutgers down the end, they, that he was out long enough that they had a good feel for how good that team was without him versus like losing him a week ago. And then they lose drop a couple games. You're like, well, maybe they just started adjusting. And so his thing was like, well, we've seen what they are without him. Well, what were they? They lost at Minnesota, right? That's like a disastrous loss. I mean, they, yeah. that's like the worst you could do. They had probably the best road quad one win in the country, right? When at Mackey, and then they yeah. had oh yeah, arguably one of the worst quad four losses as a as a power five that is hoping to get in the tournament at you know Minnesota. So For sure. Uh, so, but it but it does lend to the whole the thought line that where they used to say, well, the last fifteen games we say how are you playing, and that's how we select things. And they said they don't do that anymore. But that's kind of, he's almost tacitly admitting that that's what he did, right? Like, they're just splitting hairs like, well, we're trying to figure out what to do. And and I also wonder, you had mentioned before too, do you think the fact that it's Rutgers, I mean, if that was Kentucky, let's say, or let's say it's North Carolina or Michigan State or Indiana, do you think that consideration is the same or, you know, what happened to Rutgers? See, that's where I think sometimes the committee bias can seep through without them even realizing it because injuries are so subjective. I mean, like, I mean, it's sure. Yeah. They definitely played worse without him, but determining how much do we punish them for how worse they were without him versus with him, there's no metrics or specific guidelines on that, that they have to follow. So, I mean, I'm sure that they're not, purposely doing it but uh, like i said last time but again if it was kentucky in that same exact situation um i think they would still maybe lean a little bit more towards the overall body of work uh <laughs> now at the same time they did put in a mid-major in their place so it's not like they're uh it's it's complete major bias here at the same time right. I, I still agree with that a little bit <laughs> Yeah, or this year, you know, we had a, a really good example if if it had been North Carolina with Rutgers' right. resume. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do they get the break? You know, I suspect, I think most people would suspect that they would have. You know, you're never going to convince everybody that there there's not conspiracies at work. <laughs> um, but, I, but I do think, I, I actually do, if, if you look at it this year, I, I like the fact that North Carolina did not get in Michigan, Wisconsin. I mean, none of these programs had great cases to make. And in the end, they really weren't close. So that's how it should have been. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, no, I, I like the fact that you had a mid-major in, I mean, to be honest over a team, let's be honest. If anyone's been watching big 10 basketball the last few weeks, who wants to watch Rutgers again? They're not a good team They're They beat Michigan, but Michigan played like garbage in the big 10 tournament. Rutgers is just not a team that was going to do anything in the NCAA tournament. You might as well just have Nevada play anyway, to be honest. I don't, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I no, it's this isn't what the committee uses, but just from a fan perspective, like Nevada played Rutgers on a neutral field. I think Nevada would beat them. I think they're a better team. I think they're a more fun team. Now, that's not what the committee uses to select, <laughs> but uh, just, again, from a fan perspective, yeah, I'd much rather see Nevada in there than Rutgers. So I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> any Any other... So, I mean, obviously you talked about there were a few cases where you had a team on the wrong seed line one direction or another, but um, anything in that realm that kind of surprised you or you, you didn't think uh, you didn't think there was a good case for you mentioned, I guess, Marquette being a two is one you were kind of kicking yourself for not uh, revising anything else like that. See, I mean, now that one didn't surprise me on anything. That's probably the reason I'm kicking myself on that one. Because yeah. of all the ones that I missed by one seed line, that's the one I was the most torn on when I submitted my final bracket. So, of course, I miss it. <laughs> there were a couple others. Like I said, I didn't miss any by multiple seed lines. So, none right. were big surprises. But uh, a couple of, and I'm pulling up the bracket right now. Couple of the five seeds um, over the six seeds surprised me. For example, like let's see here, yeah, um, St. Mary's still being a five despite finishing with the, this, that absolute destruction. Yeah, it's Gonzaga. I mean, that yep. just really shows. I know I talk about the metrics are more important for seeding and the the resume is more important for selection, but. That just makes me realize that's even more the case than I thought because St. Mary's does have the metrics, but that's kind of about all they got besides that one win against Gonzaga in overtime at home earlier in the season too. And to still see them at a five seed, I, I had them at a six. And I mean, and if it weren't for the metrics, I wouldn't even have had them there. So that maybe surprised me a little, but again, that's one seed line off, uh, Miami at a five as well. While I'm on the five lines, I thought they were also going to be a six. Uh, but again, that doesn't surprise me significantly. Just some of the teams that bu- dropped down, uh, Iowa State, uh, TCU, both of them being on the six lines instead of a five. I think that just surprised me because based on the committee's top four reveal, it seemed like they were just in love with the Big 12. Like, oh, they're all these right. teams and all you can get is good wins. You can't get bad losses against each other. I didn't think those teams would be really capable of falling much from that top four reveal. So seeing Iowa State, who was a three in their reveal, go all the way down to a six despite finishing with two blowouts of Baylor. I know they had a rough stretch before that, but didn't see them dropping that far. If anything, I just thought it would be the committee almost not wanting to admit they were wrong. Like, oh, we had them at a three, and they've been right since then. How can we drop them three spots from there? <laughs> well, and TCU would be an interesting case because, again, we yeah. talk about injury having an impact, right? And it seems like, I mean, if you felt like their overall resume, even as is, warranted a five rather than a six, but they get the six. Well, clearly they didn't account much at all for the period of time where it was Mike Miles was the guy who was injured. And, um, yeah. Didn't didn't really account for it at all. Apparently I'll say this, the reason with TCU um, it's, I mean, it, they must've accounted for it. Some with them going down to a six, I had them at a five. Um, but I, I think the reason they didn't go down much farther than that compared to Rutgers is just, they played a good bit of basketball without him this year. He was out for an extended stretch earlier in the season too. 
And they played all right without him. I mean, pretty similar results to how they played with him. So I think when you have that to show for, hey, it didn't affect us that much, they're not going to punish you as much. Right. Either, so. My my point, just sorry I wasn't clear. Oh, yeah. My sorry. point is I would think if you accounted for, well, yeah, they, they took some losses, but there were losses without their best player, that that should have cut the other way and solidified them even more on the five line. You know, Yo, it's sort no. of kind of the opposite of the Rutgers thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like it, it, it is kind of the case with that. I feel like the injuries, a lot of times it's a, they'll punish you a lot more for having someone out than they'll help you. Uh, right. You really got to play well without, with, uh, <laughs> once he comes back to get that injury consideration. Um, like yeah. Clayton, I thought they were going to be a six seed because they had some losses without uh Kalkbrenner earlier in the year right. and they were better when he came back, but they still kept them at a seven, I guess, just because they weren't blowing the doors off people once he came back. And <laughs> I've seen it before where teams had some bad losses with someone out and then just came back and were world beaters. And then the committee almost acted like those losses never happened, but you almost have to do that. You almost have to show a clear, clear distinction in who you are with them and without them to get that uh, injury consideration boost where on the flip side, you lose them and you just play a little worse without them. They're going to drop you down a lot quicker. Uh, well, I think uh, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, Bracket Dom, Dom Lees from bracketometry.com. Check out his, uh, subscribe to him on Twitter or follow him on Twitter at Bracket Dom. Uh, make sure you check out his link, his link. And we'll, I guess it would be a couple days before Bracket Matrix figures out the whole statistics and sort of where your ranking goes. They, I know they, they usually do in a day or two from now. Yeah. So yeah, I, fingers crossed that I'm still up there. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm going to be like in the top 10%, but it, it's tough when you were number two because yeah, right. I mean, I could finish <laughs> it, it, like 15th this year, but then yeah, it's, it, there's a lot more people to pass you than uh two pass. So <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so before you go, let's get your picks for the final four. Um, so I'm going to put my brackets here. So let's start with the South region, Alabama and Arizona. Who do you have coming out of that region? Oh, all right. I'm going to say out of the South region, I, it's, it's hard to go against yeah, Alabama. So, yeah, right. I'm going to say Arizona doesn't even make it to the elite eight against them. I'll say it's Alabama over Baylor Ooh, in the okay. elite eight of the South region. Yes. And then let's go to the Midwest, which is the Houston, Texas region. Man, this is a tough one. Uh, I don't think Houston, Houston's the favorite uh, to win it all, if you look at the odds. I'm not as sold on them as that. But Neither I, am I. <laughs> I still think in this region I'm going to take them to come out. Now, I think I probably am going to have them losing in the final four to the team I'll pick next. Uh, and Texas is playing awesome right now. I just – something tells me not don't trust Texas in the tournament. I, <laughs> yeah, it's – yeah, that, that's that's called history. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you on that. Oh, well, well, the the concern, just real quick, to me at least, the concern I have about Houston, and this was before Sasser got hurt, is I just I see that team and I love them. They were so many elements of that team remind me of vintage Tom Izzo teams. The way they defend, the way they rebound, the toughness. But that offense can get ugly mm -hmm. at times. And I just think if you can't score better than they do, it's tough to win four straight. 
So I'm, I'm with you on that. I'd be a little bit, I'd be a little bit nervous about them, but, uh, anyway. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Just because uh, with the, their, their play style, they're going to be in close games that shouldn't be. Yep. Close. Now they're going to be the better team in all of them. But if you let a team hang around four straight games, eventually someone might knock you off. So, and I think Texas could do it if they get to Houston. I just don't even trust them to get there. But if Texas makes right. the date, I think they beat Houston. Uh, so then, <laughs> but I'll take you. We'll then move down to the West region where you have number one, Kansas versus number two, Big Ten school, UCLA. Who do you have there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, soon to be a rival of Michigan State. Not long. There. Yeah, uh, that's right. right. I, in this one, I, I think Kansas, I, I'm taking them – I think I'm taking Kansas to potentially win it all again, at least get back to the final four. And I think I would take them over Houston. I know they didn't look great against Texas. Um, and like I said, Texas, I think at their best can be the best team in the country. I just don't trust them. At least Kansas, you know, is consistent. They have that tournament experience. We'll see with Bill Self. Uh, hopefully he's all right and back for the tournament. If he is, uh, I think they're just going to be back to what they were before. I think you can almost blame that loss to Texas on that. I think this team is just might be the best team in the country again. And it's hard to hard to pick anyone against them, especially since everyone else has such a tough path. I mean, UCLA and Gonzaga having to go through each other. Uh, UConn having to go through St. Mary's or VCU. I, yeah, give, give me Kansas out of that region. I feel pretty good about that one. And I think maybe might even be my pick to win the whole thing. And then finally, the East, everyone's uh, least favorite number one seed, it seems to be Purdue. Uh, and then Marquette <laughs> is a two. And of course, Michigan State sitting over there lurking at the seventh seed. This is one of the craziest regions to me because I think this might have like the worst one, two, three, and four seed, but maybe the yep. best five, six, seven, and eight seed. Right. Yeah, Duke's I mean, there. no one wants to pick Purdue. No one wants to pick Marquette. No one wants to pick Kansas State. No one wants to pick Tennessee. But then after that, you have Duke. Kentucky, Michigan State, and Memphis. I mean, the, those could be the four in the Sweet 16 right there. That's some classic blue blood action right there. Um, so I, this is really the most wide open one to me, for sure. I I might go, this is where I might end up picking a, a bold one. And I'm not sure if I've decided which one I'm going to go bold with yet. I'm sure you'd love me to go uh, Michigan State as yeah. my bold. <laughs> no, 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 none of, yeah, we, we, we want honesty. It may just dictate whether you come back or not, but go ahead and pick. <laughs> <laughs> this way. I do think I might take Michigan State over Marquette. Uh, but, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, but uh, something tells me they might be playing another upset team there in the Sweet 16 that might end up going all the way to the Final Four. I, I got a gut feeling with this Kentucky team. I know they lost to Vanderbilt twice. Ooh, that is stretch. a bold, bold I know. I, I don't know if I'm going to do it. Maybe I'll go with Duke instead, but I feel like this <laughs> oh, is now, that, now, now, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I just want to get this line off. I'm going to repeat it <laughs> when we move on to the next thing. I, was, I looked at it, and I happened to watch uh, Oral Roberts just absolutely dominate in their conference tournament championship game. And of course, we all remember them from a couple yeah. years ago. I've seen their seven foot nine center van over. I saw him play in AAU years ago before he was in college. And of course he stuck in my memory because he's seven foot nine. Um, but uh, I was inclined to think Oral Roberts has a hell of a shot to take out Duke. And then I watched ESPN's bracketology show 
And every single one of these guys picked Duke to come out of that region. So that solidifies it for me. Oral Roberts takes out Duke in the first round. Well, put it this way. I almost wanted to take Duke myself. And then I watched that and I was like, well, that's not really an against the grain pick anymore. Literally all of them are taking it. And I still need a low seed here. Yeah. And here's, here's the other thing. This season, more than any other year, I think if you've won a bunch of games, you know, it feels like you've really got a lot of momentum. You're on a roll. You are just accelerating toward the rug, getting pulled out from underneath (laughs) you. And they've won nine games in a row now. So what are the odds that they're going to win four more? I don't like their odds. (laughs) Agreed. They're they're doing, and people forget they played Purdue earlier this year as well. And that wasn't even close. Purdue. Right wiped the floor with them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'm going to have Purdue in my lead eight. I do think I'll have Duke over Tennessee, but then eh, I, I'm maybe just a hedge would still pick Purdue in the final four, like in my office pools. But I, yeah. I think the other side of that bracket legitimately might be Kentucky, Michigan state in the sweet 16. And it's like, right. who wins that? And it's hard to say the winner of that ends up going on to win the, the whole region. So I don't want to be too chalky and take Michigan or I take uh, Purdue again uh, and take pretty much all the one seeds at that point. Right. But if you're filling out an office pool and you're trying to win, they might be the smart play just to hedge because I think they make the elite eight there. And I think whoever comes out of the bottom half of that bracket, even though they can definitely beat Purdue could be anyone. Sure. Right. Well, uh, thanks so much for coming on. I want to remind you, remind you and then everyone else listening and watching. And so if, if you have not yet subscribed to the Final Fours on the schedule, you can go to YouTube at uh, TFFINOTS. You can watch us here. Uh, and if you're watching, hit make sure you hit the subscribe and like button. Uh, but we are having a bracket contest. I would, we'd love to invite you to have be one of our celebrities to come on. Uh, Absolutely. At, so you all have to do a search on the ESPN site because we're using that just because it's simplest. So T-F-F-I-N-O-T-S, there you can win prizes from Nudge Printing, which you could use to get some Texas State gear. How does that sound? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Dom. When we're going to make our first tournament next year ever. <laughs> there you go. It's it's only a matter of time, right? And then you're going to. Yeah, we're you're gonna, we're gonna, we'll notice Duke it. Duke is due to lose. We're due to make one eventually, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. We'll know if things are kind of funny if you have them as your last four in all next year or something like that. So, uh, <laughs> so again, uh, thanks a lot, Dom Luis from Bracketometry at, at Bracket Dom. We appreciate it so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. It's a blast as always. Thank you guys for having See me. See you next year. Bye. Thanks a lot. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back. Thanks again so much to Dominic Lees for joining us from Bracketometry.com. I'd like to remind you that if you've not had the opportunity, you can still support our show. There are many ways you can do that. One is you can go to our support page and go to the Final Four on the schedule.com slash support. There you can give one-time gifts via PayPal or Venmo. Uh, or also a monthly recurring basis through Patreon. That's the way we support the show. We get all these extra features like having a guy like Dom on. Uh, we, you have helped us become one of the top 50 basketball podcast of all basketball podcasts that includes professional and college in the country. So thank you so much for that, for sharing the show with your friends, for subscribing, making sure you get the word out there about our show. So keep doing that, you know, help the show grow more and more Spartan fans can find our show. We really appreciate that. And that also includes going to whatever podcast player you're listening to and leaving a written review. You can do that. Obviously, whatever podcast you play you're on, take a picture of it. You can email it to me, Eric at TFFINOTS.com. And there you can get um, a $5 gift card to Nudge Printing. I'll just uh, send it out to you. So we appreciate that support as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure you don't know what's so special about today, Rod, besides the fact that it was the uh, the, the selection show. I, I don't. But one year ago today, I got home from the Big Ten Tournament in Indianapolis, and I had an email from you asking me, ah. hey, <laughs> Which would be interesting in helping out the show, I said. Because I was in an absolute panic because um, (laughs) we were, it was Selection Sunday and uh, we were, um, I was informed that uh, my previous partner, who did great work, by the way, um, could no longer continue. And so it's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you're Santa Claus and Christmas Eve. You get the news that uh, the sleigh is out of commission. I mean, it it really Rudolph, felt that it's way. It's foggy. Yeah, we need help. It really felt that way. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, thanks again, obviously, uh, to you coming on and and helping uh, helping me salvage um, the uh, the tournament period and then everything that's come since then. Yeah, well, it has been an absolute pleasure. It's been great getting to know you and to grow, all the, getting to know all the fans and the nice kind notes they send to us all the time. And uh, the show's grown quite a bit too since uh, since last year as well. So that's been really great. It's been kind of fun to to build this sort of brand. And uh, we've had a bunch of new features and stuff, which I you know thank you so much to everyone for listening and again sharing. You, know, you guys are the reason this show's doing so well. And so I really appreciate that. And it has been a lot of fun, but it is a ton of work. And so I think, um, you know, what. <laughs> What support we get probably doesn't offset the uh, the extra work involved, but it's uh, but it's a ton of fun, and so it's been it's been just a, a blast. And and my my wife's always like, "Man, you just kind of know more about the things than you used to." I said, "Yeah, I was pretty dumb uh, before I started listening to you all the time." So anyway, uh, let's let's talk about let's do a bracket show 
and let's go through the regions, I guess. We'll, we'll start, I suppose, in the top with, um, with the South. So the South is the number one seed is Alabama. It uh, has the two seed is Arizona. Notable Big Ten schools are just Maryland, and they are the eight seed. They're playing West Virginia as the nine. So what sort of sticks out to you about this region, and so what are your thoughts on it? Well, obviously Alabama is the popular choice, and that's not a surprise. They're the overall number one seed in the in the field. I right. would just say, if if this Alabama team is the number one overall seed in the tournament, it's a down year. And I say that not because I think they're horrible; they're not clearly, but. They just, here's what worries me about Alabama. If I were an Alabama fan, both of them, um, my complaint, my complaint, yeah, God <laughs> help me, but my complaint about Nate Oates's approach to basketball is this, um, for those who don't know, and I think a lot of our listeners probably do, but for those who don't know, Nate Oates is certainly among high major coaches, I think, the most analytically driven coach in the sport. And so that has some um, some consequences in terms of how Alabama plays. On offense, they are essentially, it's layups and dunks or threes. They don't want to ever take mid-range shots. I mean, never. And the reason for that is shots at the rim or three pointers are the most valuable shots you can take in an analytical sense. That's math. It's simple math. You can't argue with it. Defensively, they play a lot of drop coverage and they also will extend on the three point line. So what does that leave a team playing them? What kind of shots are there for them to take? a lot of mid-range shots, okay, which analytically are the least valuable shots, you know, the two-point jumper, so to speak. Right. Again, can't argue with the math. Over the course of 30-some games, I can't argue with the premise being sound. It is. Mm -hmm. My issue is this. In the NCAA tournament, where you were trying to win at least four straight to get to a Final Four, and you're trying to win six straight to win a national championship, either way you want to slice it, having that kind of rigidity in terms of how your team plays, I think, is a major problem. It is a a flaw because you are not in an NBA style best of seven kind of scenario. If you were can't argue with it, it's the soundest way to play. And then if you get beat, it's just because your talent level to execute that scheme wasn't quite good enough. What I'm saying is your talent can be great to execute your scheme in the NCAA tournament. And you can still get beat because you don't adjust. Mm-hmm. We talk about this all the time. There were several games this year where we came into it knowing, hey, Michigan State's going to have to hit long twos because this team they're playing is going to is going to shack ball screens. Shots are going to be there for a guard in the mid-range. They got to hit them. The problem with Alabama, as I see it, is I don't think they'll adjust. 
and trying to win four straight when you're playing the caliber of opponents you face in the NCAA tournament. I, I just think when you're giving stuff away, because they do give you stuff, they give you the mid-range shot. Offensively, they won't take the mid-range shot. So if you can do what they try to do to teams and take away their threes and also contest them at the rim, well, uh, the, the logical approach would be, well, I guess we got to hit some long twos to try to at least loosen this up. But Alabama won't change. Not from what I've seen. And yeah. so that's what makes me very, very suspicious of their final four credentials. They've got great talent. Yeah. I mean, we saw them firsthand, right, in November. A mm -hmm. um, lot of size and its athletic size. Uh, solid guard play. They got a number of guys that good depth. And then you add in on top of all that, the best freshman in the country this year in Miller. So <clears throat> I understand why people are picking them, but that's the reason I'm not picking them. I can't, I, I, I just can't because I think somewhere along the way in these four games, someone is going to exploit their system against them. And it will be frustrating because Nate Oates will look at it and say, hey, we gave up low percentage shots and we didn't take any low percentage shots and we still got beat. Welcome to NCAA tournament basketball where you can't make, you can't have scenarios like that. You've got to be able to play in a flexible fashion. It's, I say this all the time. It's one of the reasons, one of the big reasons Tom Izzo has been to as many final fours as he has is because his teams have long demonstrated the ability to play a variety of different styles and games within the same tournament run. And I think that's a trait that most of the teams that get to a final four tend to possess, not always, yeah. but most of the time. So that's my take on Alabama. That makes a lot of sense. And you know, when you, um, you know, it's so it's definitely matchup dependent. Obviously, it's always matchup dependent in the NCAA yeah. tournament. You, know, you get the team that can that is their strength, maybe taking those sort of shots. But it makes you look at a team or they like just, Purdue, or they just have a great day. They oh, just sure. have a yeah. great day. And you mean, have a bad at, day shooting. Look at yeah. look at Michigan State. Go back to the COVID year. Michigan State hosts Michigan at Breslin, and Michigan State is on life support. They got to win these games, right? And yeah. I remember doing the preview to that game, saying, "Well." It's not ideal, but Rocket Watts is going to have to hit a bunch of long twos because Michigan is just going to play Dickinson and drop coverage. And that was a good defensive team that Michigan had that year. Yeah, those livers and yeah. yeah, those are the shots you're going to get. You have to hit them. What did he do? He went out and hit them. That wouldn't have been a solid bet if you were looking at the course of the whole season. But on that day, that was what was available. Those are the shots he took and he made them. I just think when you're playing teams at this level where nobody's, you know, past the first game, let's say everybody's at least decent. Oh yeah. You're, it, you're, you're, it's a yeah, risk. you're susceptible to getting beat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it, and you would, if you look at Purdue, Purdue traditionally has, I mean, at least last however long I can remember now, like six, seven, eight years now, they have the big guy in the middle, right? Like either yep. Edie or Isaac Haas or whomever. And there's sort of, that's their one way they play. They got the big plotting guy in the middle and they do the drop. And 
and that they sort of, it's your point, they kind of, they fall away at some point in the tournament because they get the team where they're, you know, or they're not hitting their threes that are, or whatever. And there's sort of no way to, for them to find another way to sort of op, generate offense or um, compete. If you think about teams that have gotten to the highest level in recent years, so you think about, um, you know, last year's Kansas team or um, the year before where we had Gonzaga and, and Baylor. Those, those teams could win a lot of different kinds of games, you know, and they didn't have obvious things that they were giving an opponent or obvious things that they wouldn't take offensively. I just, I'm not, I'm just, I get the math. I get it. And over the course of a full season, that's probably as long as your talent level is good and Alabama's is. That's going to probably produce really good results as it has for them this year. But man, in a one and done environment, I really don't like it. Um, you know, I guess we should talk about the rest of that bracket though. And right. I mean, yeah, go. Well, I mean, I guess you'd say the next round you probably, it's Maryland. I mean, I don't like Maryland in general and I don't even know if they make it to that second round. <laughs> it gets, it doesn't matter who they're playing. The, the, the one thing about that Maryland West Virginia match, and I've seen a few people talk about this already and it's true. You don't have to love either of those teams. I don't, but they're <laughs> both very Maryland. I can speak to with more authority because I've seen them a lot more, uh, but West Virginia too. They're both physically tough teams. You know that they're going to go into a game with Alabama and they're going to compete from a physicality point of view. Um, Maryland's a good example of what I'm talking about, though. When I think about this Maryland team, I don't think about a great shooting team because they're not. No. But on a given day, could I imagine Jameer Young hitting six or seven long twos and, and Dante Scott just sticking it? from the mid range all day long over 40 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I could, I don't know at what point I believe Alabama goes out, but I don't think they're getting out of the region. Um, you know, one interesting game might be that, that four or five, assuming Virginia and San Diego state get through. Those are two teams (laughs) that, Oh my God. I would be 30 to 20. Yeah. Great (laughs) defensive teams, but you know, and then the other side, You've got Creighton and Baylor as the high seeds who might meet in a second round game. It's the polar opposite. Great offensive teams can't guard anybody. Um, Missouri, I'm not, honestly, if I'm picking a team to come out of this region, I think I'm going with Arizona. Yeah. Um, I don't love them defensively, but I think they're good enough. And, you know, that's a team, if if you were talking about an elite eight, versus Alabama. Let's say Alabama gets that far. Arizona's a team that can compete with Alabama in terms of their size in a lot of ways in terms of their athleticism. They might not be quite as athletic down low, but they're big enough to where I don't think it would matter very much. Um, so I'm going to go with Arizona to come through. Uh, but, but, you know, honestly, we talk about this stuff and every one of these damn shows that I'm watching dealing with the brackets, everybody's going chalk with the one exception Duke out of the East. Um, This is not a year to go chalk. 
in my opinion. You wouldn't think so. I mean, <laughs> the, yeah, the Big Ten tournament not, taught us anything. Although I guess not. one won it, but well, yeah, but but <laughs> ten. Which, by the way, I'm gonna. I don't know if if we talked about it here. I did talk about it on a Wisconsin podcast. That probably, right, you predicted Purdue Penn, uh, Purdue, Penn, State. Penn State. I got the, the final finals, right, yeah. and I and I got yeah. the right winner barely. So barely, I'll, yeah. I'll Purdue take my vows on that as opposed to the Big Ten regular <laughs> season. Um, we'll but, shower uh, you with praise. Yeah, but. Um, but that's yeah. I mean, how can how can you how can you Saint and I? I get it. The hard part is when everybody is flawed, then it becomes really difficult to say. Well, this is the five seed that I think can make a run because everybody's flawed, and so that's why I think you're going to see more chalk predicted this year than normal, despite the yeah. fact that that's counterintuitive if you believe as I do that everybody's flawed. It's very similar to, I think, the big tournament, because I think you said you could just look at it and say, well, I mean, if you had to pick someone, you're going to pick Purdue. But if you said Purdue versus field, you'd say, I'll take the field. And so this right. may be one of those regions where you said, well, if you're going to pick someone, you'd probably pick Alabama. But maybe if you want to say, well, who's got a better chance? Probably the field over Alabama. Now, that may always be the case because the ones don't make it, you know, to the final four, where they like 50% of the time or something like yeah. that, you know, or a little under 50%. Uh, but I think I agree. I think Arizona would be. I think we'll still go with Alabama just because I, um, it's the team I least want to make it through, and that seems to be the team that always. <laughs> this is why I always lose these brackets. But I think I think they'll go through, and um, and you know the only other thing of note here that this bracket, that a team I find interesting, is just West Virginia has Joe Toussaint, who my wife uh, uh-huh. hated when he was at Iowa. Yeah. So she'll, <laughs> she'll be looking for Maryland to knock him out <laughs> as well. Uh, so let's move on over to the Midwest region. Okay where you have Houston as a one seed. And this is also can be called the Indiana slash Iowa region, where there are five teams from Iowa and Indiana. The entire states, all their teams are in this region. Uh, you have Iowa as the eight. You've got Drake as the 12. They're in Des Moines. Wow. You have Indiana yep. as the four. Iowa State as the six. And Xavier as the three. Well, oh, wait, Xavier's, Xavier's in Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. That's Cincinnati. So I guess there's only one team from Indiana. So I guess just yep. there are four. Four okay, teams Indiana, still. Yeah, or it's the Iowa region. Just the Iowa region, right. And, and actually... Um, yeah. So, and then of course the two seed is Texas who, um, who Dom seemed to, seem to like sort of <laughs> as, as much as you can like anyone in this, this bracket he's not, is Xavier. He's not wrong about that. I mean, Texas's history would, would lead you to conclude that you should be very suspicious, mm-hmm. um, because they've had, they had years under Rick Barnes where they were seated in similar position and he only made it, he only made it through once, ironically beating Michigan state in an elite eight game. Um, and, yeah. uh, what was that? 2002 or two, no, 2003, um, with, uh, TJ Ford, but, yep. but historically, yeah, Texas is a disappointment here. The other thing about Texas, which is worth mentioning, a lot of people really, really like Colgate as a 15. And part yeah. of the, part of the reason is Colgate is the best three point shooting team in America. So that is a good reason to say, well, that's one you should think about because it would be fun watching them play Penn state. If that's somehow. Oh, happened. that would be, that would be such a great, or that, that would be a, yeah, that would be a second round <laughs> game. Maybe. Um, well, let's start in the top half. Yeah. So I like Houston. We soon beats Northern Kentucky and then you got Iowa Auburn. Yeah. That's going to be a, a real contrast. Iowa, obviously a team that when they're when they're on shooting wise and given that these are neutral court games who knows uh, although theoretically yeah. neutral i mean auburn is playing in birmingham 
which is a hell of an advantage for a nine seed. I mean, it really yeah, is. Sure. That's that's something that the committee is maybe not getting enough criticism about. Um, but Iowa, you know, a team that can be great offensively against all, but can't guard anybody versus Auburn, a team that guards very well but can't score. So we'll see the the they'll move, score against Iowa, the movable <laughs> object or the resistible force, which one wins out. Um, but uh, but I, you know, I I'm gonna go Iowa there only because Iowa laid a big fat egg in the Big Ten tournament, and and also lost their last regular season game against Nebraska. So they're on a two game losing streak, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're due for a win. Let's go with Iowa. Um, right. Honestly, it, that kind of rationale is going to guide a lot of how I see this because well, I just funny because, believe it. Oh, I think you're right, and I think, and I probably pick Iowa here as well. It it is funny how they have these these regions set, and I understand the regions because they base it on where the finals are. Uh, but you think the venues would also be in areas that are, you know, the pods would be places that are in the Midwest, and so it's strange that you know. Unless uh, what your definition of the Midwest is, Birmingham is is far from it. It's good for no, Houston, I suppose. That's the reason. But that left the building a long a long time ago. Yeah, um, yeah. It it they will the the one seeds get to choose in order, I believe, where they want to be. Um, so, for example, both Alabama and Houston are actually playing in Birmingham. If you look at it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, I mean, I understand Alabama you know, for sure. Kansas is in Des Moines. Purdue is in Columbus. Um, <coughs> so they all got advantageous placement, but that's a change that they made. It used to be that the Midwest region was actual venues in the Midwest, but that's long since left the building. Um, then we have, I guess, your the other matchup you're up for, Miami of Florida against Drake. Yeah. Um, so this is when I, I've watched a lot of Drake games. I bet you haven't watched any. <laughs> I, I have seen Drake play once. Um, and, but here's the thing, the Missouri Valley to me, and granted, it's not the same league it once was because it's lost, mm-hmm. you know, Creighton, it's lost Wichita state, some, some important members, Tulsa, Tulsa in recent years, Louisville. but it's still a good league. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. still a league that uh, when I look at it, I think anybody who comes through that league is dangerous. And Miami, I'm just, <laughs> anybody can talk whatever Big Ten trash they want. Um, I am really, really not sold on the ACC. Yeah. I just think the ACC was flat out awful this year. So I'm not convinced by Miami. And I think that's a good, and it's a five twelve, which is, you know, always that's the, the upset special, right? Where's, yeah, right. where's the 12? I think it's almost be? 50%. Yeah. I think it's like 60% yeah. win percentage for fives, which is not that great considering it's a better winning. It's a better winning percentage than tens have over sevens, for example, um, yeah. which should be counterintuitive. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think Drake's got a real shot there just because I don't know. And Miami's dealing with an injury. I don't know if it's likely to extend to that game, but they didn't. They weren't full strength in the ACC tournament. And then you got Indiana against Kent State. And, you know, once upon a time, the MAC wasn't very different than what I just said about the Missouri Valley. I agree. Yeah, they used to be much better. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be, you know, you, you had to really worry about what might come out of a MAC team. 
if you were playing them in a first round game. Kent State's a good team. I've I've seen them play. Um, but and I'm not you know where I'm at with Indiana and their guards. Yep. But uh I just the Mac isn't what the Mac once was. So I think the Big Ten gets it done there. And then if you if you go through the rest of that that half of the bracket, you know, I I don't love Houston for the reasons that I said to Dom. I, I just mm-hmm. even with Marcus Sasser, and who knows if he's going to be back, but even with him, offensively, they just get stuck in the mud too much for my taste. You know, could they slug it out to a final four just based on defense, rebounding, and toughness? Yes, they could. But I don't love that. Again, because I don't think I think Houston's got to win ugly. And I don't love it when you only can win one way, really. And that's kind of where I feel they are. Um, but I'm going to figure at because nobody's all that overwhelming. Um, you know, and I don't the only team, the only team on that side of the bracket that I think might have enough to really push Houston. I'm going chalk here. It would probably be Indiana <laughs> on their best day. Um, if Indiana was really playing high-level basketball, Hood Shafino is playing well, they'd have a shot. Um, the bottom half, Iowa State's great defensively. They struggle on offense, but they've probably got enough to take out either Mississippi State or Pitt. Xavier is an interesting team. Um, great guards. Really, really great guards. Um, they might be a good choice here. Kind of a, I mean, they're a three, so they're hardly a sleeper. But um, I, I do like them probably to get to the Sweet 16. Um, and then I think Penn State, Texas A&M is going to be fascinating. I've actually seen yeah. a decent amount of Texas A&M this year. Um, and the only thing that's got me hesitating on Penn State is they're on a heater. I mean, I know they lost today, but they almost might as well have won. Yep. And they won three games before that, and then they won their last regular season game. So my my intuition is uh, a bad one's coming. But I just I love watching that team play. I want to <laughs> believe they could sneak one out against AM. I just I don't feel great about it because of the, the trend. What's interesting, and, and also I did not hear a lot of people talking about, but God, I don't know why not. The committee has set it up so that in Des Moines in a second round game, you've got Texas A&M against Texas potentially. That's, I mean, that would be a, imagine Michigan and Michigan state facing off, except you have to add in that they don't play regularly anymore. They will start to when Texas joins the sec, but for several years, they haven't been playing. So, well, and these are three Texas teams in the same region yeah. that are trying to get to Houston, right? right. I mean, you've got Houston, right. Texas, and Texas A&M. Right. Only one of them can get get there at, mo- at most. It's a, this is just such a tough deal this year. I'm going to stick to one of my old axioms, say guard play wins in March, and I'm going to pick Xavier to pop their cherry and get to their first Final Four in program history. I'm going to pick Xavier to come through. Sean Miller, the triumphant return, free of scandal, but still sweating to the oldies under his armpits. <laughs> um, and uh, and I think Xavier comes through based on their guards. 
And and I will and I'm going to say I'm absolutely going to take Drake over Miami. So <laughs> just to briefly about Drake, um, they have been playing extremely well the last. I think they won almost. They won nine in a row to, to and they'll drop their and drop their last game of the season at, at Bradley. Okay, uh, by ten. Good. And then <laughs> they just went ran rough shot over the in the Missouri Valley tournament. Is their third straight Missouri Valley tournament championship game actually too. And they beat Bradley by like almost 30 points. Um, they just obliterated a really good Bradley team. They are, they have everything. They play pretty decent defense. They've got all kinds of glue guys. They've got guys who can shoot from outside. They've got, they can score in the post. They've got a Tucker DeVries, who's a guy who probably, uh, without a doubt, he'd start in any Big Ten team yeah. uh, tomorrow. He's that good. Uh, he's he's like 6'6", six, six, I think, or 6'7", and he can shoot from anywhere. They they have the ability to beat Miami, and I could easily see them beating Indiana as well, if it or Kent State, whichever team. I I think I'm going to have them in the Sweet 16. I don't think they probably have enough to get through through Houston, um, but I I uh, I I'm probably with you with with Xavier. I th- I kind of think that's probably the team I'd pick as well to get through. But uh, the only thing that the only interesting thing from pick from my part is the Drake because and it is a bit of a homer pick because I watch tons of Drake basketball, but. They are actually a really good team, and that's what they've been fun to watch. And this, and they're almost all seniors. I think they have, I think they're older than six NBA teams, if I remember the stat wow. during the wow. Um, well, so definitely older they have a lot distance. of that. Yeah, yeah. They've got they've got a guy who's twenty five, just like Robracha. You know, they got uh, <laughs> their their point guard is their point guard is twenty five years old, and he's really good, Roman Penn. So, uh, which I can't imagine being in college still when you're twenty five. But no. uh, whatever. No, I guess I sort of was in med school, but that's a little bit different. Uh, so before we go on to the next two regions, I just want to remind you that if you have issues with your water on your roof, check out your gutters, make sure they're operating properly. If not, contact Kurt Stauffer and his team over at Brothers at Just Do Gutters. Their name says exactly what they do. They just do gutters. They specialize in gutters and making sure that it functions properly. If you have uh, gutters that are plugged up with stuff, you need all kinds of leaf problems as we do in Michigan. They can clean out your gutters. They can repair them. They can replace them. They've got a huge selection of things. They put leaf guards on. I had all kinds of problems with my gutters. Kurt and his team took care of them. They are available in a large region over in the Grand Rapids area from all the way out to Lakeshore, down to Sagatuck, up to Rockford, out to Lowell. If you're anywhere in that area, get a hold of Kurt and his team. They'll give you 10% off if you mention Final Four on your email at kurt.stauffer at brothersgutters.com. Again, the link to that will be available in the show notes. So moving on to the West region, you have Kansas as the one. Uh, you've got Illinois lurking at as nine. You have uh, Northwestern as the seven and UCLA as the two. And then Gonzaga as the three, which is probably all the notable teams. that. And I guess UConn at four. So go to the, I guess start at the top with the Kansas part. The first and, and TCU as a six. Um, right. Yeah. Look, Kansas, uh, good team, obviously. Great team, no. What they were last year, no. I, I don't believe that. Um, I, I I don't see Kansas coming through. It could be as early as that second round game. Now we we all. I mean, against have, Arkansas, right? Well, I was going to say <laughs> we all because have I our mean, issues. I Underwood intentionally threw the Big Ten tournament so he could rest his team Again. for the NCAA tournament. We know that's his yeah. strategy. He also. Uh, he made a he made a great comment um, today after the bids were announced that, um, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have already seen this, uh, but you may not have. That I have um, not for sure. Okay, that uh, he was trumpeting how it's a great thing that 
uh, both Illinois and Iowa have are the only teams in the Big Ten that have three-year streaks running of being included in the initial 64. In other words, that they didn't have to play in um, the first four, Um, which is an interesting way of getting around the fact that Tom Izzo has been at 25 straight NCAA tournaments and is being celebrated. You know, John Calipari put out a great, yeah, John Calipari is doing everything he can to, to make me embrace him. I mean, uh, that was gotta love Kentucky. That that was pure class. And, Boy, plucky upstarts in Kentucky. Well, the, and, and the responses were great because it was vintage Kentucky fan base. It was 90% Kentucky fans screaming at her about, we don't care. Why don't you want you coach your damn team? Great, great people. Great fan base. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, Brad Underwood's a weird guy. And I've been saying, I, I feel like, and again, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I feel like I was ahead of the curve on this. Uh, because I saw this happening like three years ago and it wasn't getting talked about a lot, but I think now a lot of people are starting to notice it that at any given moment, if Brad Underwood can cut one of two ways, say the right thing or say the wrong thing, he's usually going to choose the wrong thing. And this was another very mild example, but if, if you don't think that that was noticed, Certainly by the Michigan State fan base, you're out of your mind. Uh, so I don't want Illinois to have any success. Not not till this guy leaves. Uh, but I have to admit, either Illinois, and I don't love Eric Musselman either. So that's kind of a but obviously Brad, to use to use um Middle Eastern terrorist vernacular, Illinois is the close enemy. Arkansas would be a far enemy. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, but are either one of those teams capable of taking Kansas out in a second-round game? Absolutely they are. Absolutely. I mean, Illinois has been a horrendous shooting team, like jump shooting team, just awful. But is, it, is there a world in which in a second-round game against Kansas, Matthew Meyer goes five for seven and Terrence Shannon goes four for six from three? Yeah, absolutely there is. Illinois has talent. That's not the issue. It's cohesiveness. It's everybody rowing in the same direction. All that stuff's been the problem. So if I were Kansas, I wouldn't be thrilled about that draw because either of those teams are dangerous enough that they could take you out. You drop below that St. Mary's uh, Dom had it right, man. That, That game against Gonzaga just really, I think, soured a lot of people on them, which probably means they're going to go on a run. But um, <laughs> I don't, I don't like them, and and they've never, honestly, for as much fun as they are in the regular season, because they're the only foil Gonzaga consistently has in that league, right? And they right. beat Gonzaga just enough to keep it interesting, um, as they did this year. But um, they haven't had very much tournament success. I mean, St. Mary's has yet to have one of those, you know, multi-game runs that really get your attention. So it's hard. Have they even made the sweet 16? I don't think they, I don't know that they have, if they have, I don't remember it. Um, and, and, you know, VCU that's, I got shock. I hanged over with that, even though it's long (laughs) since removed. 
um, from those days, but it's, it's hard to get excited about either of those teams. You, the UConn Iona matchup is sneakily interesting. Cause that's of course, Rick Pitino coaching Iona and one song, maybe it may be, and it could be a preview of big East matchups to come. If he does get the St. John's job, as has been right. rumored, right? Um, I like UConn. Now they've had some ebbing and flowing during the course of the year, but to me, that's a very dangerous team because they've got a lot of athleticism. They've got some good size to go with it. Um, I just, I don't know if I always trust their decision-making with their guards, but um, that's a very dangerous team. So I'm going to pick UConn to actually come out of that half and then dipping below. UCLA, if they were full strength, they'd be an obvious pick to win this region, but they're not. Um, they're down. They were down two starters in the Pac-12 title game, uh, one of which was their center, Bona. I'm not sure what the deal was with him. I got the sense they think he'll be back, but uh, they're also down another starter who's a defensive player of the year in the Pac-12, and he's done. So it's hard for me to get very excited about UCLA. I honestly... A full-strength TCU, which I was mentioning in our conversation with Dom, that's a pretty interesting pick to go on to go on a run, I think. They'll take out either Arizona State or Nevada, and then that will set up a fascinating second-round game, likely with Gonzaga. Um, Gonzaga's back to their old tricks this year. You remember during that run, you know, three years ago, two years ago, where people had to come around to the idea, hey, Gonzaga can actually play defense. Remember? <laughs> That's gone. Yeah. We're the number one offense in the country, but they're in the hundreds, I think, defensively. Um, so it's back to what they used to be. I just, uh, this Gonzaga team, they've obviously had teams in recent years where you could look past the long stretch of just WCC play and say, yeah, these guys will figure it out. They'll, they'll get back up to the requisite level when they have to. I don't have that faith in this team. Um, and then the other half, as I said, UCLA has got enough to get past Asheville, but you know, Boise state <coughs> is a team that a, a lot of people are buying in on. I'm not sure that I am. And there's Northwestern. I mean, sweet 16. Is that what you're saying? Uh, oof. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to go there, but I'm ready to believe that they will make it ugly with UCLA. Yeah. Could be a big a 10 match in the second game. round, UCLA Northwestern, right? That's right. A, a classic big Ten tilt. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick TCU. So I'm going to pick an elite eight here. TCU and a UConn. Huh? And UConn and, and, and I'm going to go with TCU. How about that? Yep. I'm going with a six seed. Headed, yeah. I'm going with a six seed. Mike Miles, I think, is going to is going to put him on his back when they need him to, and going to get Jamie Dixon to the promised land. His first Final Four. You remember all those years? Everybody talked about Pitt, and they just could never get over the hump, never get through. Now he's going to get it done at his alma mater at TCU. So I feel like every year, one of the 11 seeds in the play-in game really goes on a run. It doesn't You're right every about year, that. But it seems like most of the time it does. And so I tend to think it's going to be more in the in the last region. And I didn't even think, mention that, too, in the Midwest. I think Iowa State goes down to either Pitt or Mississippi State. Uh, and Okay. But it doesn't probably matter because they'll, they'll probably lose to Xavier anyway. P- possible. I, possible. I, I don't. This Northwestern team, they really. I don't like them. Uh, and so I. I'm inclined to, 
I'm inclined to pick Boise State, but then I don't know. I haven't seen Boise State play. I, I just when Northwestern wins, and I don't, I never know how they how they've done it. But they always they manage to you know win a bunch of games. Here's how they've here's not been playing well recently. It. Here's how they do it. They they play great defense, and they they turn a very rare trick in that they are able to generate opponent mistakes without ever being unsound. So yeah, when you no. can force turnovers and not gamble to do it. That's that's a real advantage, and that is what Northwestern has been this year. Offensively, look, we all know it's a complete crapshoot with that bunch. I mean, yeah, they right. could have a day where Chase Audige is a flamethrower, and you know he's hitting everything he puts up for twenty minutes, and he could shoot them right in. And then we can have a day where he goes, you know, three for sixteen. Yep, <laughs> and yeah. you just don't know what you're going to get, but. I really do think Northwestern defensively has enough to get past the first game. And then I think they've got enough to at least make it tough on UCLA, but I I think UCLA probably gets past them. But then I like TCU over UCLA in a sweet 16. Yeah, I do. I do like uh, UConn in this region too, for I think the similar reasons you point out too. I think that they're, um, I just, I don't like going chalk because it doesn't tend to work that way. Although I feel like I usually pick the wrong chalk. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do not like Illinois in this first round. I, I just do not like the underwood. It's funny. My friend who's a big Illini fan, he's like, well, you know, he has the most w- big 10 wins in the last three years. What kind of stat like, is okay. that? I don't know. I mean, it's that's what he told me. Like, right. No, I, but this is what I'm talking about. This is, this <laughs> is a sign of a desperate, sad program. And I would love Illinois people to hear this. They're not going to, but they really do need to take a look at themselves. You can tell your friend this, at least. That is such a sad statistic. Well, most Big Ten wins over the last three years. Who cares? Talk to me about 20 years. Talk to me about a decade. Talk to me about the championships you've won. If you're saying to me, well, we've got the most Big Ten wins over the last three years, what you're saying is we haven't accomplished anything. That's what that screams. It screams insecurity. And, and that's how I, that's how I read Brad Underwood. I know I've said this. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. He, he is an incredibly insecure coach. Everything he does and says screams it. Yeah. And I I guess the only thing, the only counter to that, I would just say is that for them, for where they've been in the wilderness, it's, it's an easy justification for why they should be embracing Underwood because, you know, they were just in, they were in a bad place for, for a long time. So for them, it's a, definite improvement but i guess the, the question is you know can you move to the next step right i mean that's right. always uh, and and the next step for. is the one that matters that's what i'm saying right. oh you yeah can't, i told yeah, you yeah you can't so anyway they won they won a big 10 and a half right they probably should win the one mission but mission dodged a game you could argue right. you know that right great uh, and they did have a championship so they they've done some things. We'll see how they how they feel about things in two years, right? That's really the where the well. But this is you know, which, look. This is this is it. Um, so they're they're they've gotten to here. They have those two years where they had relative success, but couldn't translate into anything in the postseason. And now they come into this thing a nine seed. And while I do think they've got enough that if you told me, hey, they're going to beat Arkansas and then they beat Kansas. Would it shock me? No, I could see a world in which that happens, but you certainly don't expect it. I don't think anybody's expecting it. So where are you? Yeah. You know, right. where are you as a program? I just, uh, I, in any event, 
I yeah. to go back to UConn for a second. I think that the reason they're a good choice is their their ceiling, in my opinion, is probably about as good as anybody's. It's not mm-hmm. it's not clearly better than everybody's, but it matches up with the highest ceilings. I mean Alabama. Houston, whoever you want to talk about. I do believe that about UConn. The, the one problem UConn's got is that Danny Hurley coaches them. <laughs> and, and that yeah, might right. sound funny, but what I mean by that is Danny Hurley has shown a nagging tendency to lose his sh- at exactly the worst possible moments. And he has not yet even remotely seen the kind of pressure cooker that a sweet 16 elite eight kind of game is going to bring to the table. And so that would be my one hesitation. Um, and that's why I'm picking TCU rather than you. All right. I'm going Northwestern then I guess I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go to the East. Uh, and this is obviously Michigan state's region. It's uh, got a, a couple of big, t- big 10 teams beside it. So number one seed, of course, is Purdue. Uh, then you've got, them playing in the eight nine team is Memphis and FAU. It's number six, they got Duke playing Oral Roberts. There's Tennessee playing Louisiana as a four thirteen matchup. Six and eleven is Kentucky and Providence. And you've got Kansas State, Montana State as a three fourteen. Michigan State and then Big Ten uh, rival yeah. USC. Yeah, rival seven uh, ten is USC. And then the bottom bracket is Marquette and Vermont. Um, you know, I before we go into this, I since I actually went to some trouble, I was doing some research and stuff. I because I think people are looking at Michigan State as a seven seed here, and I think and I think that's where Dom thought we were pretty confident that's where they're going to end up, and that's where they did end up. Uh, and I think it's actually a favorable matchup for a ten of all the tens they could have gotten. I think it's a pretty good one. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so looking at, I think you know when people look at the seeding and they get, I think they get thrown off a little bit by you know what's possible, what's not possible, right? Like you know everyone's like, oh, you got to avoid the eight nine because you want to avoid the the play the number one seed. Well, you know, again, at some point you have to play number one seed. If your goal is to the final four, you at some most likely have to play one seed or you're playing a two. Now, maybe those can go th- both get taken out as you're some other seed in between and don't have to end up facing them. But, you know, looking at Michigan State's history, three of the final fours, they were number one seed. Two of the final fours, they were a two seed. Uh, they were a five seed twice and they were a seven seed once. Um, you know, they were an elite eight seed for, uh, they made the elite eight once as a, f- where they lost in, uh, as a four seed. Uh, they lost in Sweet 16 as a four seed. They've lost in the Sweet 16 as a one seed. Uh, they've lost in the f- round of 64 as a th- the only time they were uh, when they were a two seed. That's of course the Middle Tennessee State right. disaster. When they were a three seed, they lost as, in the Sweet 16 and the round of 32. Uh, they lost in uh, and this is all just during Israel's era, just by the way. Too, right. I'm not this is not right. the entire history. And then they've lost as a four seed in the Sweet 16. Uh, and you know when they've lost in the first round, it's generally been so once as a three. Or sorry, once is a two, once is a five, once is a seven, once is a nine, twice is a ten, and once as an eleven. That play-in game, which I mean, it's actually amazing how long it takes you to do this because you have to get twenty-five. <laughs> it's right. a lot of data. It's a lot of data. Uh, yeah. And then the other thing too, I think that throws you off is that you look at well, what happened? How were they playing up to last? You know, before they go to the NCAA tournament, and that of course is your Big Ten tournament, generally speaking, right? So they won it all in two thousand. They won the Big Ten championship tournament, and they won the NCAA championship. They went to Final Four in 99, won a Big Ten championship. The year after that, in 2001, they lost the first round. They didn't win any games, and, the, and they still made the Final Four. Uh, they made the Final Four uh, in in 2009, where they only won the first game in the Big Ten tournament. 
in 2019, they won the whole thing. And they made the Final Four in uh, 2005. They didn't win a single Big Ten game. In 2010, they didn't win a single Big Ten tournament game. And then in 2015, they lost to Wisconsin. That's when they made the Final Four, and they so they made the finals there. So there's, I guess the point is there's no there's no pattern to it. You know, right. whether you do well in the Big Ten tournament or you don't, it's kind of random. It's and um, and then the other thing too is you look at the seating for the Final Four just in general, and this is I think everyone knows this, but just look at the last ten years, you have uh, the one seed is in it. Uh, well, there's a one, two, two, four, one, four, four, nine, one, two, seven, eight, one, 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 seven. That was in 2015. That was a strange year. And then one, two, two, ten. <laughs> the the one, seven one, was three. Michigan State, by the way. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then one, one, three, seven, one, one, three, eleven, one, two, three, five, one, one, two, eleven, one, two, two, eight. And of course, that eight was North Carolina last year, who was this year's <laughs> preseason number one and didn't make the tournament. Uh, but it just shows you can kind of come from anywhere. I mean, it doesn't mean that Michigan State's going to make it. I don't want to give that impression because I don't personally think they're that they have not shown the consistency. And I think the, as you mentioned, the versatility, the different ways of winning that I feel that they probably yeah. need to make a really long run, but you know, we've been fooled before. I'm not going to say that. I know what obviously can't predict, know the future, but so let's just go, let's just go into and just, yeah, go Here, wherever you want to go with that. Here's the thing. Um, some of those years you're talking about, like for example, 2015, when Michigan state was a seven seed, got to the final four. You could, if you were paying attention, you could see that team coming. Sure. Right. Okay. They got to the Big Ten tournament final and they were playing well down the stretch of the regular season. I don't think anybody was confidently predicting a final four, but you could see that team coming. That team had started to gel. The 2005 team was a five seed, I think. That was the most egregious underseeding I've ever seen of a Michigan State team. That team was positively loaded. They got hurt because the Big Ten that year was awful outside of the top three. You had Illinois, who went all the way to the national title game. You had a very good Wisconsin team that went to the Elite Eight. And you had Michigan State as an Elite Eight team. Or as a Final Four team, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, Elite Eight too. Yeah. Everybody else, I, I can't even remember if anybody else from the league made the field. If they did, they didn't do anything. So Michigan State had had a really good, in many ways, regular season. They just couldn't beat Illinois. And and as it turns out, only North Carolina could beat Illinois. But um, that team was absolutely loaded. I mean, looking at that as a five seed, it's a joke when you look at the talent on that roster. Um, and actually what they did, the way they played. Um, so some of those years that Michigan State's done it as an underseeded team, I think we have to be careful to extrapolate too much, saying, well, they were 7-15, and 15, they're 7 this year. I felt very differently about that team in 15. If Michigan State had gone on a run in the Big Ten tournament and and – regardless of winning or losing had played extremely well, I would be more likely to buy into that, but they haven't shown that they haven't shown that consistency like everybody else. Um, the upsides are this as Dom said, and I totally agree with him. The one, two, three, and four <coughs> in this bracket are, are not good. <laughs> 
They are the worst of that seed line, in my opinion, in all four instances. Whereas I think he's right. At least on the merits, the five, six, seven, eight are the best. Those like Michigan State was actually the second highest seven seed, but but you get the point. Um, mm-hmm. Michigan State's particular draw, USC, and we're going to go into this more tomorrow in our preview issue, but USC is certainly a capable team. They're absolutely capable of beating Michigan State, but that's not a bad draw. It, it really isn't. If you look at the other 10s, they weren't going to play Penn State because of the way this thing set up, but Penn State would terrify me. Uh, yeah. Boise State and the other 10 is Utah State. I guess I would put, I would be inclined to put USC in the middle of that, mm-hmm. but they're not, they're not a 10 seed that like, Oh my God, I don't know how we're going to compete with them. Um, and then you look at Marquette uh, as a two seed, man, I, I just think, and I, the standard, the standard issue prediction, virtually every, I think it was everybody I saw on the ESPN show had it Duke versus Marquette in the elite eight game. So immediately take those two teams out. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I mean, does Marquette scare you? Of course, Michigan state could lose to them, but do they scare you? No, they scare a lot of people on the Spartan mag board. Yeah. A lot of people think, well, Oh my God, these guys are world beaters. Yeah, no, no, they're not. Um, <laughs> and then Vermont, you know, whatever, but here's the other yeah. thing. There's two things. One, doesn't mean very much. The other might mean a lot. The thing that doesn't mean very much is Tom Izzo in this four team little pod has played all three of these other teams in the NCAA tournament before he's played them each once. You know what his record is? Well, I know he's beaten USC and Vermont and Marquette three and oh, Marquette. was that with Tom Crean? That was, yes, it was. Yes, I believe it was. Yeah. It was Drew Neitzel's. It was Drew Neitzel's junior year where they had to kind of battle to get into the tournament, and then they took out Marquette and lost in the second round, I believe, to North Carolina. Um, so he's three and zero in the tournament against this group. Does it mean anything? Probably not, but I just think it's interesting information for people to think about. Um, I will say. I, I want to say USC was, God, what were they that year in 2009? They were maybe the most grossly underseeded team I've ever seen. Because I want to say they might have even been a double-digit seed. They might have been like an 11 or something. Yeah, I think and, you're right. And that team had at least two NBA players on it. They had Taj Gibson yeah. and they had DeRozan. And they might have had more. I might be forgetting somebody. That team was crazy good. Um, and Michigan State, that was the best team Michigan State played in that regional, in my opinion. They were better than Kansas. Uh, but anyway, so 3-0 and against this group in the tournament. And remember, they played Vermont the year that Vermont upset Syracuse in 2005. Now that I'm thinking about it, and this is interesting too, the wins over Vermont and USC each came in years where Michigan State went to the Final Four. The Marquette win, it was 2-0. and out. Um, so again, just probably not very important food for thought. What might matter a lot is that these games are in Columbus. It's going to be a strange, it's going to be a Michigan state crowd. I think it will be a largely Michigan state crowd. And if I'm Shaka smart, I'm really not happy about that. 
because Michigan State will fill that place. I, I, I'm sure Marquette will get a lot of people driving down from Milwaukee, and they'll, they'll have a good crowd. But they, I'd be shocked if they could compete with what Michigan State can bring if, Mich- if those two teams get to a second-round game. Um, for sure, USC is going to be in a road environment. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, for this team to essentially have not a home court game, but a very friendly draw when it comes to location is not something you necessarily saw coming before the bracket came out. So that might mean something. It might not. Um, but anyway, that's Michigan State. We'll get into a lot more depth about Michigan State tomorrow. Just looking at this bracket, um, we've talked all year long about Purdue. And, I mean, nothing I saw in the Big Ten tournament. They won it. I mean, congratulations. But they barely held off Penn State. Penn State was running on fumes, fourth game in four days, and they still made it a one-possession game. Um, I don't know. You saw the game today. Do you have any faith in Purdue's guards at this point? I was I was talking to my wife and my kids is relieved the arena like as soon as now I realize this end of the game situation is different a little bit but teams that would press Purdue's guards really cause all kinds of disruption yep. I mean they yep. those guys are they just can't handle it are they, and they can't handle when you're in in them and that's where I think Rutgers if Rutgers had some sort of ability to score anywhere they could have beaten Purdue but because those I, I'm really it's really amazing how much I don't want to say regression, but I just how much more exposed uh, Fletcher Lawyer seems now than yeah, he did yeah. beginning of the season because well, Braden Smith same thing I think he's he struggles a little bit more but not quite as much Fletcher Lawyer really has a lot of problems when you sort of are physical with him he really really has I mean, he had to keep getting taken out of the game right by, by, exactly. but I would say in the, in in defense of uh, Purdue is that uh, is Daniels is that his name number fourteen that's his last name I'm trying to remember. McDaniel or I can't remember his name now. You're talking about uh, David Jenkins? Uh, Jenkins. Yeah. yeah. D- Jenkins. He was really good. I mean, he was, yeah, he shot he, really well in the tournament. He's the reason they actually advanced because he was hitting threes when no one could hit anything for the most part. And right. He was a much better guard for them. I, I think that's right. But I guess the way I look at it is if you're relying on David Jenkins and Ethan Morton to get you to a final four, yeah, no, I agree. They're not going to make it. It isn't happening. Yeah. And and I, I also agree. It's clear that the book is now out on Purdue. The question is, does anybody in this half of the bracket have what it takes to exploit that? And there are some interesting, the, the most obvious one is Memphis in that 8-9 game. I, I don't know that I believe Florida Atlantic can do that even though they're a very good team, I just don't think they're built that way. But, but Memphis, I, I watched the America. I didn't watch the big 10 title game today. I've seen enough big 10 basketball <laughs> playing each other. I mean, and plus it's, you yeah, know, yeah. come on fourth game in four days for Penn state. It's a farce, but I watched the, the title game of the American. And it's the first time I've seen Memphis in a while since the preseason. And, um, you know, they're not the smartest team. <laughs> but <laughs> but what they are is very athletic and they play very hard and i think they are capable if they get to a matchup against purdue of getting into purdue's guards and if they can do that they can make life very tough on them now duke absolutely can play that way 
with their guards. Um, they have, they are a very good defensive team. I think Duke's losing to Oral Roberts though. <laughs> so, but if I'm wrong about wow. that, um, Duke is a team that could get Purdue and then there's Tennessee and, you know, Tennessee in our conversation with point them, guard, everyone talks about, yeah, yeah, Ziegler is out, but you know what, if, if Tennessee can somehow get through Tennessee also has that capability. They are a very good defensive team. They can play very aggressively. So there are a lot of teams in that half of the bracket that theoretically could do that to Purdue. So what's going to be critical for Purdue is that the bracket breaks the right way and that they don't end up having to play these teams because like, I really like Oral Roberts. I think Oral Roberts is a fun team to watch and they've got some real players. Um, they might be better than they were two years ago when they made their run. But I'm not sure that stylistically, I believe they've got what it takes to do to Purdue what you need to do. I might be wrong about that, but that's my early read at least. And I don't know. I don't know. They're the one you said has a 7'9 player. He's 7'5. I'm exaggerating slightly. Connor, oh, Connor Vanover. He started his career so out at Arkansas. So he's taller than he transferred. Yeah. At, now, the problem is he's also read thin. He's really right, yeah. a perimeter guy as much as anything else on offense, but you're right. Okay. They do have that. And so uh, I'd be worried about him playing one-on-one and foul trouble because Edie, I think could go through him, but at least in terms <laughs> yeah. of length. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's long enough, but I, but again, I don't, I think people get caught up in Edie and that's, that's not where it's at. It's you got to deal yeah. with their guards. You got to make their guards beat you. Um, and, and get into them and, and make it tough for them to even get into their offense. So, you know, that half is interesting. I, I don't really like any of them I mean, because I just don't, <laughs> I mean, that's how I feel about this whole field, but I, I, I just do not have any faith in Duke. I think the nine wins in a row is kiss of death. I don't think they're that good anyway. I think again, it's ACC people have made more of it than, than is really there. Um, I, I'm not a believer in. Duke. So you picking Oral Roberts to come out of the into lead eight? Is that what no, you're saying? No, that's the thing. <laughs> I'm looking at this half and I can't pick anybody. Um, someone has God, to. God, I've heard. You know what? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pick a massive upset. I'm gonna pick Tennessee. They've been everybody slagging them. They're left for dead yep, in a heap in the out, corner. Yeah. I'm gonna pick Tennessee to somehow <laughs> pull it off. But boy, I don't feel confident about any of it. I thought for sure you're going to pick Purdue, but say, but then say that you didn't think it would be them. Well, okay, fair. <laughs> that is kind of what I believe. Yeah, like Indiana, like they're going to win Big Ten, but they gonna, won't be somebody them. Somebody will get them. I'm just not sure who it is. Yeah, that, that is how I feel. And in the bottom half, without without getting into the Michigan State portion, we'll just do the top two. Um, Kentucky is a six seed, and I understand Dom saying, "Well, they're they're a really good six seed." Because on paper, the talent level, or at least the purported talent level, would suggest that they are, in fact, uh, underseeded. But we all know they've had a terrible year relative to expectations. I mean, I, and, and I'm first in line. Of late, man. they've been playing better. Yeah, yeah, right. they have. But but then they got beat by Vanderbilt, who's not in the field. Twice. In the, yeah. yeah. So how good are, have they really changed anything up? I don't. 
I, I saw, I can't remember who it was, one of these damn shows this evening. I, I can't keep them straight now. Somebody claimed that the SEC was right there with the Big 12 as the best conference in America. On what planet? Yep, I heard them say that too. On yeah, what I don't, planet? Yeah. At, the, at the top end, there's a couple of good teams. But, well, there's Alabama. I don't know if there's anybody else. I'd have to think about so, it. So, Rod, do you want the story on that, that comment? Yeah. So that was an ESPN's show. Yeah. And you know who ESPN's going to be covering games for now? <laughs> yes. Big 12 it, ace in SEC. It just means more. Well, mm-hmm. I've got a, I've got a response to that. Not in basketball. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I'm right there with everybody else that got bamboozled by Kentucky. I said when Michigan state was preparing to play them, I thought they were the best team in the country bar none. And they have been nowhere remotely close to that at any point this season. So, yeah, I get it. Anytime you've got some of the horsepower or, again, perceived horsepower they've got on that roster, you're you're inclined to say, boy, can that Kentucky team at a six, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's undervalued. That's a great play. But. They've, they've been so inconsistent that I don't know how you can have any confidence in them. They're playing a Providence team that was playing great basketball at one point in the season. And they've, for them to slide all the way to an 11. So they almost slid out of the field. Yeah. Um, but again, in this season, maybe Providence ready to go on a heater. And then the other game, Kansas state, Montana state. I mean, Kansas state is going to win that game. I suspect. But they're another team I've seen play a few times. Um, full credit to Jerome to end his first year in the head job down there. They're picked last in the league. They finished third. They get a three C in the tournament. They've had a very good year. Great. Um, that's not a smart basketball team. That is not a smart basketball team. I saw them play a game against Kansas where they, they somehow won after doing just about everything humanly possible to give it away in a game where they were in control. And that was not a, that was not a unique situation. They, I saw them play that way a few times. There's, they've got a team with a great motor. They play incredibly hard. They're tough. They're athletic. They got a lot of things to like, but 10 cent heads. And so I think they get past that first one. And that's the thing. I mean, as much as I'm saying, oh, Kentucky, I don't know. I'm inclined to put Kentucky in the sweet 16. So who the hell knows? I'm not going to make a, well, I'll make a pick. It's not going to be Michigan state. I, I, I have to maintain some shred of credibility and I would love to be wrong, but I can't, I can't pick Michigan state to win it. Um, but I do think Michigan state can make a run. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to take a flyer. I'm, I'm going to guess I might be the only person outside of Knoxville, Tennessee to make this pick. I'm going to pick <laughs> the battered and bruised Tennessee volunteers to come through a region that I believe is completely wide open just because I hate every one of these bigger name teams Yeah, and just don't have any faith in them. And that, by the way, that would include Marquette because I have no faith. I have zero faith in Marquette. I have zero faith in Shaka Smart. Well, and I will, and I'm going to go with Duke and Kentucky, and I'll have Kentucky come out of the region. 
You're picking um, Kentucky. All right. I am. I mean, not by not because I like them, but I think just that it, I tend I tend to pick teams that I that uh that I dislike the most, and they seem to win the most because that I probably just tend to like dislike the the uh, favorites after a while, and Kentucky, Duke. Uh, at least the nice thing is that we can only get one of those teams in the final four. So that's some advantage. And there's not, God, what a nightmare up, so. a year where both Kentucky and Duke were very average and you got them in the elite eight playing each other. Oh, yeah. it could know. happen. I mean, it, it certainly yeah. wouldn't be sure. a shocker. I mean, and, and I'll say this, just one more quick thought about Purdue. Um, the Purdue fan base, I think a lot of us know, um, is, uh, not engaged with reality very well at times in terms of how they feel about Michigan state, how they feel about Tom Bezo. I think probably at least some of our listeners are aware of that. Um, and they, they, they seem to have, and, and this makes some sense. It's the same as Michigan state fans often feel about Michigan. There's a chip on the shoulder. I think Purdue mm-hmm. fans feel that IU gets a lot of breaks in the state, blah, blah, blah. So there's a chip on the shoulder mentality. And, and in fairness to them, they have had unbelievable success across the history of their program in the regular season. Yep. What they've never been able to do is have that breakthrough. Yeah. But here's the thing. There has never been a year where they've been handed a better opportunity than this one. Even with a team they've got that's as flawed as it is, you look at this region, and if you're Purdue and you don't get it done for this year, you got no room to complain about anything else ever. Draws, where you're seated, none of it. It is it is screamingly, screamingly obvious that there is an opportunity as as good as you could reasonably ask for to come through a region and get to a final four for the first time in a generation. Well, and I can, if I can leave on a bright note, two more years of Zach ED. All right. So let's go and, uh, finish up here. I actually, my wife's like, what? That's not possible. I said, Oh yeah, it's possible. I don't possible. know. Possible. Un- unlikely. Do. I'm going to, I'm going to take another flyer, maybe not quite equal to my Tennessee flyer. Um, <laughs> I'm going to guess that Zach Eady is done in yeah, college because so I think else. he's going to get drafted. Well, no, he's going to get drafted. I think he'll be a second round pick okay. and I think he'll go. Um, yeah. I think he is done, but we'll see. All right. Uh, let's get out of here. I just, before we go, I just want to remind you to visit our other sponsor. What great way to support the show is nudge printing. Nudge printing has been instrumental in getting the Spartan strong going uh, they've printed over 15,000 shirts. They help with the design, I think, a little bit. Uh, they've helped raise money for the shooting victims at Michigan State. Also, Gabe and his team are working on helping out Maddie Sissoko in his foundation, which helps his village back in Mali. Uh, listen to the show, as you know, guys helped raise over $25,000 and to get that school. It's already under construction back in Mali, which is going to help those kids a ton. They're going to have to they're gonna be walking less than... They were walking, what, an hour and a half, I think he said, each way to get to school, some of them. So now they'll be able to spend a lot more time helping their family and not, you know, know, they'll be able to go to school and get educated and probably change a lot of lives. And so thanks to all of you and to Gabe and his team for helping uh, 
Mahdi's foundation get going as well. You can get other great gear there as well. Obviously Spartan stuff, vintage decals, uh, wall stickers, cornhole stickers, stuff for your tailgating. Super comfortable. I'm wearing one right now. I've got the, the our logoed sweatshirt, soft and comfortable. I won my free throw competition because despite Machine State, our predictions, I know one person who's going to the Final Four, and that's me. So I will be at the Final Four. It is on my schedule in Houston, which now my wife's like, hey, the women's Final Four is in Dallas. <laughs> so, so it's, and it's actually the offset days of the men's Final Four. And she's like, well, if I was playing, we got to go see Caitlin Clark. And I don't know if you've ever watched Caitlin Clark play, but she is actually really entertaining. She's like insane, uh, where she's, shooting from like NBA distance threes and stuff like that. She's really, it's just kind of the, kind of the Steph Curry of uh women's women's basketball. Yeah. Right. She really is. She's a, she yeah. is a lot of fun to watch. And I don't really generally like watching women's basketball, but it's actually kind of fun watching that. And my wife's obviously an Iowa fan. So who knows? We'll see what happens as far as Iowa goes and how far they make it in the tournament as well. So I think we'll get out of here and uh, we'll be back with our breakdown of the mission States first round matchup against big 10 foe, uh, the USC Trojans. And we'll be back in just a little bit. See you then. And until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.